All right, this is Chance of Gaming Podcast. This is episode 113B. The B episode being after we talked about uh, what we saw at Gen Con and loved. And uh, the very first thing we ever do with this, I, I guess I should say, is I talk about the lovely people that are. I'm very happy to and glad to have in my life that co-host this with me, and that's Richard and Roy, which is coming from Michigan and Missouri, and they start with an M, so I know that all the time. Right, so Richard comes from Missouri, so you got that, and Roy comes from Michigan. So if you just remember that R goes with M, you'll never forget. Ah, and I'm not, I'm not lovely, <laughs> I'm pretty. Okay, there you go, you're pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Roy's the eye candy. <laughs> yeah, well, it's in as much as uh, uh, three middle-aged dorks can uh, and have eye candy, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we start our podcast always with like what we're playing, and uh, virtue uh, via virtue of the alphabet, Richard is going to start us off and talk to us about what he's been playing lately. Excellent. So we haven't recorded for a while, so I've actually got a lot of games that I've been playing, um, but I'll highlight a few of them. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is a game called Brave Little Belgium. So have you guys heard of this one? Uh, yes. No. We, we, we've been communicating a little bit via uh, Facebook, and we, we've mentioned it before on the podcast. I'm fascinated by World War One, and this is like the very leading edge of the beginning of World War One. And so, yeah, that's where it is. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, for very quick World War One history lesson, Germany um, knew they wanted to invade France and basically went to Belgium at the beginning of the war and said, hey, we're coming through. You can let us or you can fight. And Belgium chose to fight. Yeah. And uh, they were not able to stop the biggest army in the world at the time but they um slowed them down considerably which allowed france to prepare their defenses and everything and they were referred to as brave little belgium at the time so this is basically the first uh week of world war one where germany's coming through belgium um and it's a it's a game by hollenspiel it's 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 not out yet i've been playing on vassal as a playtester um, but it's a it's a light war game, just point to point movement. Um, Germany's job is just to move through Belgium. They've got to take out a few forts. They've got to get troops across the border, and if they do so, they win. Um, I've played I think four times now, and the only time that I lost is Germany was I had some particularly bad die rolls and ended up committing too many atrocities because if you uh, if, if night falls too quickly and you want to move your troops anyway, you have a higher chance for your troops to commit atrocities. That's the only time I've ever lost is Germany. So I'm having a good time with it. Um, I've only played Solitaire so far, but I do have a guy that I've um, been talking to on Twitter. This is – I think you know him, Adam. It's Board Game Skunk Works. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so oh, yeah, he and I, we're going to play a game this weekend, but I had something come up, and we're definitely going to play a game together live on, on Vassal sometime so I can see how it feels actually playing with another person. But we're having a really good time with it. It's a it's a small game. Um, I don't know how big the actual board will be yet because I don't have a printed copy, but it definitely looks like one of those nice little fun coffee shop games. Easily fits on a table. You can play it in 30 or 45 minutes, and I, I'm really looking forward to the actual game coming out so 
I do kind of remember this now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also got to play Hitler's Reich, so jumping from World War One to World War Two. This is a game, it's a new system that just came out from GMT called the Card Conquest System. And it's uh, obviously it's it's a World War Two game, takes place in Europe. Uh, it's it's just Europe. It doesn't do the, the Asian or Pacific theater at all. Um, but I had a good time. I played it a couple times, once with my daughter, and then I played it yesterday at our STL Wargamers monthly gaming day. And it's a fun game. One of the things that I really like about it is that the setup is so fast. I mean, it's it's from taking out of the box to playing the game, you're playing in five minutes. And the game takes uh, maybe an hour and a half to two hours to play. So it's pretty quick. Um, it's got some interesting little things in it in that you basically play with a deck of cards. Uh, that's your, your, there is a, a 3d six dice resolution system plus whichever card you play. And they, they all have numbers from, I think they go from one to 13. So it's, it's basically like a deck of cards except the suits instead of, you know, clubs, hearts and all that. Uh, the Germans, uh, the, the Axis powers get Germans and Italian suits and the Western powers get, the Allied powers get Western and Russian suits. So the th interesting thing is the suits do actually mean something. If you're fighting a battle in Russia, the, the Allies have to play a Russian card if they can. If you, uh, when, the Ger when the Axis players play, uh, Germans always win ties and uh, Italians always lose ties. So it's a fun game. It's pretty quick. Another light war game. It's not particularly heavy. It's... Uh, one interesting thing about this one is this is the first game I've ever seen where uh, GMT or any publisher really basically admitted that they had a terrible rulebook. And someone, I think just a fan, basically wrote them a new rulebook. And you can go on BoardGameGeek and download the new rulebook for it, which is much, much better than the one GMT put out. But GMT even came out and said, you know, we're sorry. We dropped the ball on this. The rulebook's terrible. But it is a good game. So, Well, that's hmm. – uh Props to them for stepping up and saying, "Hey, yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah, absolutely." And I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I assume that GMT is going to reproduce a new, a new rulebook for you know new copies of the game. Obviously, they're not going to send one out to anyone that's already got the game, but it's available for, for available for free on BGG anyway. So I've got, I just printed it out, and I've got both copies in the box now. I hope that they uh, that they uh, you know spread some love to the the writer. Yeah. I, I think they have. I, I, and I have no Good. idea if that's financial or attaboys or whatever. I don't I don't know the name of the guy product. that wrote the rule book. I just remember reading about it, yeah. Okay. And then I've been playing some other games that I've played before and talked about before. Played more Twilight Imperium. Um, my RPG group actually finished up a, a long series we've been playing the ffg star wars system for a while and unfortunately uh, uh two of the players were a married couple and they were moving off to germany so we're losing them so we ended that whole campaign and we're starting with a couple new players and we're we're playing call of cthulhu right now but we'll come back to star wars um played some more gloomhaven played some games i haven't talked about before like sherlock holmes have you guys ever played that one before no, who publishes that? Who publishes that? Let me look on my shelf here and find <laughs> the actual game. See, that's the thing, as we've talked about this before, yeah. is Sherlock Holmes is in public domain. Yep, so, I'm reaching you know, out. Yeah, anybody could make a Sherlock Holmes game. So, I'm looking... Hey, I want to touch on Gloomhaven a little bit. 
Yes. Asmodee. Space Cowboys and, uh, and Asmodee. That's Sherlock Holmes? Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, so Gloomhaven is produced by Cephalofair Games. It starts with a C. Okay. Uh, and the designer of, Cephalo, or of, of Gloomhaven is actually going to be at uh, Grand Con, where I'm going to go in September 14th through 16th. Oh, cool. uh, so, so that designer is going to be uh, resident there, and I'll talk a little bit, a little bit more about that later. Cool. Continue. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, played Sherlock Holmes. It's um, for those of you who don't know, it's a, uh, it's a co-op game. It's um, you sit around a table, and it can, re- it can really be any number of players because there's not really any players at all. The only thing that makes it a number of players is you determine. When it's your turn, you get to be the one that breaks ties, as so you decide where to go next. So it's pretty interesting. You've got a map of London. You've got the daily newspaper that came out the day of the crime you're solving, and the newspaper has lots of clues involved in it. And you go to different locations, and it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure where you go to a location, and it just says, okay, well, here is who – who you're talking to and ask some questions. You don't actually get to ask any questions. It just gives descriptions and statements from witnesses and stuff like that. And your job is to solve the, uh, solve the crime in, in less, uh, fewer locations than Sherlock solved it, which is basically impossible to do. But it's a, if you like Sherlock Holmes and if you like co-op, I mean, it's a great kind of party game because people can even drop in and out of it. You know, they can say, oh, yeah, well, this matches up with that. It's a really fun game to play. So there's actually there's I think three different or one, three, two expansions, I guess you would call it. There's three different boxes with different mysteries in it. It is a once you play through all 10, there's no replayability, but it's it's fun. What's the similarities between this and time stories? Because having played neither one, yeah, but I've I've looked at Time Stories a little bit. Yeah, and I am playing both of them. So, um, Time Stories is much more open. Um, this one is, like I said, when you go to a location, you'll say, "Okay, well, I want to go to um, the guy that murdered the guy that got murdered. He was supposed to meet with this guy from the French Embassy. So let's go to the French Embassy." And literally, it'll just be two paragraphs that one person reads, and that's it. So there's no opportunity to ask questions, anything like that. Time stories is much more – obviously, they're still not able to ask questions of the game. But time stories, for one, you're working much more against the clock. Where in Sherlock Holmes, as long as you don't care too much about your score, you could literally go to every building in London, and then you just wouldn't score well. Where in time stories, when you get down to zero, you have to actually end your mission at that point. Ah, okay. Um, Another thing in Time Stories is there is a little bit of a campaign mode in it. It's not a lot, but there are callbacks to previous missions. Sometimes you'll get to keep an item that will help you on a future mission. In Sherlock Holmes, there's none of that at all. Um, I got to play My Little Scythe. Finally, it came in. I think we've talked about this one before, but I bought it for my now nine-year-old. bought it for her birthday and played with her, and she loved it. It was great because – for those of you, if you've played Scythe, this game really is Scythe. It's not like, uh, you know, I mean, it's a lighter version. It's quicker. There are fewer components, but it feels like Scythe, and it's just as fun as Scythe. So uh, there's a – inside, there's a, a popularity mechanic that goes up and down, and it base, you base your final score on that. In My Little Scythe, mm-hmm. that mechanic is called a friendship mechanic. So if you attack the other <laughs> player – 
your friendship goes down. And when I told my daughter about this, she was she was really upset. She goes, your friendship goes down. That's terrible. It's like, yeah, well, that's what happens when you attack someone. Your friendship goes down. She's like, okay, well, I'm never going to do that. And then about three moves into the game, I was sitting there with a bunch of apples on a spot, and she moves her pieces into mine and doesn't say a thing, just moves in. And I said, are you attacking me? And she says, yes. And I said, you know, your friendship's going to go down if you do that. And she goes, yeah, but I really need those apples. <laughs> so you got I think, mugged by your daughter. Yeah, I think I'm turning my daughter into a war gamer, so that's good. <laughs> All right. Start me so, so other games, um, I played Seven Wonders Duel. I don't think we've talked about that on this show before. Um, but that is a game that I actually bought for my wife a couple years ago, and she enjoys it, and I played it mm-hmm. with a friend just today. I played Aeon's End, which I have never played before. Have you guys played that one? No. No. It's uh, I guess it's, it's a co-op game. I guess I would call it a – yeah, it's definitely a deck builder. Um, have you played Sentinels of the Multiverse? Yes. yes. It, it, it feels very much like that. You've got a big bad guy that you're fighting against. He gets to draw cards each turn. You're trying to build up your deck. The only difference is Sentinels of the Multiverse, I won't say the only difference, uh, has much more, the different characters play very differently. And in Aeon's End, from my experience in playing one time, they didn't play as differently, but it was a lot of fun. I I enjoyed it very much. So there are a few versions of Aeon Zen. I played War Eternal, and I think there's a new version that's about to come out as well. So I don't know how much difference there are in the different versions, but I had a good time with it. Okay. And then, as always, I've got some Vassal games going. I always have at least a couple Vassal games going. So right now we're playing Falling Sky. I've got a group of guys playing Falling Sky together. Uh, I'm playing the Romans and desperately trying to stomp the Gauls into uh, subservience. Um, I'm playing a Here I Stand game. Have you guys ever played Here I Stand? No. Heard of it. It's a big game. It's like one of those, you know, eight-hour games. It takes eight hours, six people sitting down together at a table, eight, ten hours to play it, something like that. And on Vassal, it is so slow. I'm enjoying it, but we started this game on, I want to say, April 17th. It is now August 26th, and we're just now starting the second turn. Oh. So it is brutally slow sometimes, but... Here I stand, uh, (laughs) putting down roots. Yeah, exactly. It is (laughs) is brutally slow, and that's the problem with some Vassal games is... You know, some people just don't keep up with it. And if it is a six-player game, you know, one of those six players is going to go on vacation sometime during the game. So it's fun. Um, I I play very few live Vassal games. Most of the Vassal games I play are play by email. And then the other one I'm playing now, I'm just – we're just now in the second turn, although it is going pretty quickly. It's called – someone's having to fix my my German. Wiersen das Volk, maybe. It means we are the people. And so far, it's it's great. I have literally never seen this game in cardboard before. I don't know how we found out about it, because the guy that I play with, he said, hey, well, you said we should play Versandas Folk, right? And I said, I've never heard of that game before. And he goes, oh, I thought you told me about it. And I was like, no, but it looks really cool. So um, you play, it's a, it's a 
you play the two sides of Germany, East and West Germany. You start in 1945 and you end in 1989 when the Berlin Wall comes down. And basically both sides are just trying to, you know, East Germany is trying to raise communism and build up their infrastructure. West Germany is trying to raise their standard of life. Both sides are trying to create unrest on the other side. So it's a... Um, you know, it's one of those games that maybe you'd call it a war game, maybe you wouldn't. It's a political game, like in the the vein of Twilight Struggle, which I definitely think is a war game. Um, it plays very fast, though. So, um, unlike some other games where, uh, you know, you have to have complicated moves, your move is literally just playing one card, doing one or two or three actions based on what that card says, and then it's back to the next player. So... Literally never heard of this game before, but I'm playing it on Vassal and having a good time. All right. Uh, Roy has been playing Secret Hitler. Yeah, I really want so, to hear about uh, this. I, uh, I've been traveling these past couple of weeks. Last weekend, uh, I went to a reunion with the people that I worked with about 25 years ago. And then uh, this weekend, I took my daughter to school. But last weekend, uh, with the, the my old coworkers... I played a game called Secret Hitler. So have either of you heard about this game? Yes. I've heard quite a bit about it. I've never played it, and I would love to hear what you say about it. So um, it's uh, from the same publishers as Cards Against Humanity. And when it came out, and um, when our current president became president, (laughs) the Cards Against Humanity guys sent a copy of Secret Hitler to each and every member of Congress. Yes. Um, (laughs) So that's kind of the news about it. But uh, we went there and played it. It was not my copy. And it's, so it's a social deduction game, like uh, Werewolf or like The Resistance. And we played in a group of 10. And there's, um, let's see, so there's, in our group of 10, we had five, let's see, five liberals, no, six liberals, three fascists, and Hitler. Do you get to pick or is it assigned to no, you? No, it's all assigned to you. Okay. Okay. So, all of the fascists are known to each other, but Hitler doesn't know who any of the fascists are. And then, so to begin the game, everybody puts a puts their fist out, closes their eyes, and then the uh, fascists open their eyes and identify each other. And then Hitler, without his eyes being open, puts his thumb up, saying that he's Hitler. And then everybody closes their eyes, and everybody wakes up. And then you have the president and the chancellor, and the first thing the president does is elect the chancellor. And so he chooses who the chancellor is going to be. And then um, the uh, president then takes three agendas off the top of the deck. And they're, so they're about, there's a, they're one third of them are liberal agendas, and two-thirds of them are fascist agendas. And so of the three, he takes two of them and passes them to the chancellor. The chancellor then takes one of the two that he has, and he says, okay, we're passing this one. And so there's a chance that he could get two liberal agendas, and therefore he's forced to pass a liberal agenda. He could get one of each, or he could get two fascist agendas, and he's forced to pass one of those. So then after they pass it, then they start talking about, well, why did you do that? So there's a lot of interrogation and a lot of, of trying to kind of suss out who people are and whether they're a fascist or whether they're a liberal or even whether they're Hitler. Um, 
So you can't kill anybody until you've passed a number of fascist agendas. So the, fa- the liberals win by killing Hitler. The fascists win by electing Hitler as chancellor. Um, so it's, it's a pretty interesting game, uh, to say the least, about it. Yeah, it sounds like it. Did you enjoy so it? Yeah. Yeah, I did. It, um, so there was one, uh, one round where I was one of the fascists, and, uh, but I was not Hitler. And uh, the, another fascist was the president and gave me the chancellor thing. And I said, okay, well, I, I'm passing this agenda. And it happened to be a fascist agenda. And I was given one of each. And so then the guy, the, the president said, well, I gave him two, um, two fascist agendas. And I said, no. And so, and I, he actually, he goofed, but he really threw off the trail. Like he knew that one of us was lying. And, um, so he kind of ended up throwing himself under the bus. I believe he got killed, but then I was just all off scot-free that, that I was a bonafide, like I was, everybody thought that I was, I was absolutely a liberal. Um, so there's, yeah, it's, it's a pretty fascinating game to play in a, in a large group. Uh, and so the, the box is, um, thematically is pretty neat because it looks old and, and, uh, and stuff like that. But there's no swastikas anywhere in the game. So if you get yeah. the Hitler card, uh, it's an alligator. So that's what, what Hitler is identified, and all the fascists are alligators. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I know so there they, was someone that reskinned yes, this game to be Secret Voldemort for people that didn't okay. want to play with Hitler. So <laughs> I know I know that so, reskin exists, and I would not be surprised if a more modern reskin exists. I don't, well, I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this game, uh, you can buy... Uh, I believe it retails for about $30 and the, um, the president and the chancellor placards kind of go in front of you and they're, they're wood, very nice and everything, but you can also uh, do a print and play version of this for free. Oh, so cool. if you, if you search out secret Hitler, you can get a free version of it that you, you know, you have to spend some ink on it. Um, but yeah, it's pretty fascinating game. So what about, what about shifty eyed spies? So this is another social deduction game. It's much simpler, but you um, you get a location card and you get a spy card, and then you let's see how does it work. You are waiting for a sign from somebody. So if they have your spy card, they'll wink at you, and then you're hmm. supposed to shift your eyes to the location, and uh, then eventually you're you're trying to meet up with somebody at a location. So it's all just played with two cards, and everybody's looking around at each other, all shifty-eyed and everybody. And then when, uh, when you feel like you, you have a, an opening, you wink at them and try to kind of make a connection. Um, so the, uh, the person that, that owned both Secret Hitler and Shifty-Eyed Spies said what you have to do, which is really fun, is to play them together at the same time, <laughs> which sounds like absolute chaos to me. And this is a Target exclusive game. I th- there was one show, several shows back, where we talked about Target getting into board the board game market and having some exclusive games. Yeah, I do kind of remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's a, it's another social deduction, like well, 
I guess not like werewolf, but um, with yeah, just just player to player interaction. And then when it once it, it it comes to be your turn, you can say, okay, well, I'm meeting Jeff at the uh, metro station. And then if that's if that's correct, then you trade cards and you get a point essentially, and, and first to five wins. Okay. Did you so, play this with the same group of people same night or? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, on the same uh, weekend. That sounds like fun. How many? So you had ten people for both of these games? No, it was. I think we played a group of five for. Oh, okay. Okay. But it, it may be. I'm. I'm not sure how many people Shifty-eyed spies will actually play. But then uh, I played Viticulture, which I borrowed from my uh, game store, and I could played it a couple of times. And I played it with some people that were not real into. Not not as well versed in board games, I guess. And so I, I kind of wanted to. I, what I really wanted to play was Agricola, but I thought if I do that, they'll never have me back again. <laughs> uh, so we got through uh, about three turns of Viticulture, and it was getting kind of late, and we decided to wrap it up. But uh, I do enjoy that game. I kind of want to play it some more. Uh, yeah, it's a good game. I enjoy that one a lot. Yeah. Another one it, um, that's a, might be yeah. a little more accessible than Agricola is Caverna. Yeah. Uh, but I was looking for a, uh, a kind of wanted to play a worker placement game and kind of yeah. introduce it. it kind yeah, of Caver- like a, Caverna like is. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think any three of those, I mean, those are all worker placement games. Caverna is as well. So So what do you think is a good worker placement game to introduce to somebody who's not that much of a gamer? Caverna? Um, honestly, of those three, I think I'd go with Viticulture. I played it with my mom a couple months yeah. ago. And she enjoyed it. She picked it up very quickly. The only problem she had with it was that the cards were too small. And, you know, she's got older eyes and had trouble reading the yep. cards. That was literally her only complaint about the game. So That, that was a, a, a comment when we played it, too. Yeah. Cards are so small. Yeah. So, And then uh, I played some Cribbage. Uh, out of, cribbage is kind of a... That's kind of a nautical. Well, Rich, you were in the Navy, right? Did you learn how to play cribbage? So I actually played with my dad when I was a kid. When I was in the Navy, we always played past the pigs. (laughs) I don't know why, but that's what we played on the ship all the time. With the little pig dice? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So You know, you've seen like in the movie, you've probably never been in one, but if you've seen in the movie, they've got the big lighted navigational table. We were always playing past the pigs on that table. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So were you playing for money? No, we didn't play for money. We just played oh, for right. fun. So uh, cribbage is an old game, and it typically is played two-handed, but I played three-handed cribbage, which is a very different game. Uh, and then you can also play uh, four and... Well, I don't know if you can do five or not. Um, but it's a card game, and it uses a board where you peg points on. So as you're, as you're playing your hand, you're making things that add up to 15 or runs, or two uh, pairs and three of a kind, or something that adds up to 31. And uh, just play around, and then at the end of the hand, then you peg the points that you've, uh, that you've collected in your hand. So I enjoy cribbage. And then I played some backgammon, too, so I kind of went old school with, uh, when I was hanging out with uh, friends. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then uh, just about... Uh, 45 minutes ago, I won my first ever game of Clue. <laughs> Your first, first time you've game? ever played or the first time you've won? 
I've played, it's been years and years and years since I've played Clue. I was played with my uncle and I was lost. And so uh, finally I am vindicated and I won a game of Clue. <laughs> I'm so pretty yay. good at Clue. Yeah, I'll give, yeah. for all of our listeners, I'll give my secret. What you have to do is you have to make guesses for the cards in your hand. That way when it yep. comes back around to you, if nobody can prove you wrong, so if I've got the wrench and Professor Plum and I guess the dining room, if I guess those three things and it comes back around to me, I know the dining room is it. And they're all confused because they don't know why none of those three coming up. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, which I, I kind of got clued in by my wife and then I won. Yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations. Yay me. Now you can watch the movie, the goofy old movie. <laughs> which uh, it has Curry. several different endings, right? Yeah, right. The, yes, the, it uh, does. The Clue yeah. movie had several endings, which back okay. when it came out in the movie theater, you'd only get to see one, and then it wasn't until it came out on probably VHS. That was probably before DVD was even out. But then mm-hmm. on VHS, I guess you could watch more than all of the endings. So, Adam, what are you doing? Um, I actually got to play via an app, uh, Twilight Struggle. And it was basically due to Katie Adley always talking about Twilight Struggle and how awesome it was. And I remembered that, hey, I bought that app like uh, a couple of years ago. <laughs> so, I, so I fired it up and went to play it. And uh, yeah, it is a lot of fun. And so it. Did you DEF CON yourself? Uh, I ended up losing, <laughs> like, uh, in, in the time since we. Um, recorded last i think i've lost three times with it i have not won yet and uh it's to me it's been impressive as to how in depth it is as a game and uh how well it's done as an app and i really really dig it it really makes me want to um play more with it because it's so much of the stuff i mean i'm 42 years old so i remember so much of this from um the falklands issued from you know the jfk and you know blah 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 and you know all this stuff is in there where you're trying to win and yeah it's really cool yeah it's an amazing game i that's another one that i have never played on the cardboard but i've probably played that game 50 times maybe 100 times on the app between the app and i've got it uh on my ipad also on steam um and yeah i I haven't played it since I stopped playing it when work went crazy in June and haven't picked it back up since. But um, some of the guys that I play with on Vassal, we also play Twilight Struggle, and it really is an amazing game. Yeah, uh, in playing it, I think um, it's great. And the other one that I had played was uh, Flames of War. I finally decided to... Um, there's this one guy locally... Uh, who has gotten Age of Sig- Games Workshop's Age of Sigmar off the ground. He started it by simply going and playing with himself. You know, haha, <laughs> Playing the game. You know, back and forth. Uh, you know, he's playing with himself. And uh, just doing that over weeks and weeks and weeks. And he has stoked this fire into this huge group of players. And yeah. So I decided to do that with uh, Flames of War, which is a 15mm World War II game from uh, Battlefront Games, which is a uh, New Zealand company. 
And, uh, yeah, I went to my local shop and have done it once. I even streamed it out and got, like, five or six actual viewers. So that was kind of cool. So um, I've done that and uh, wanted to get that kind of off the ground. And, so uh, then yeah. When people wander up and say, hey, what's this? Then you get a chance to make a little pitch there? Sure. I'm like, okay, this is Flames of War. This is 15 millimeter World War II. We have these three tanks, which are the British uh, from North Africa, versus these two tanks, which are the uh, Germans from North Africa, and blah 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 blah. And yeah, you mm -hmm. kind of build it. You kind of build it from there, and okay. uh, it's it's really interesting to do. And that's kind of like what you have to do to get a thing off the ground. So. Yeah. Uh, that being said, the other thing I actually purchased was I bought into Games Workshop's Adepticus Titanicus, and I kind of wanted to do just a little editorial here in the, in the middle of it. It's one thing I have noticed in buying into this game. I dropped like 260 bucks <laughs> to buy the Grandmaster Edition of this. And it gave me all these miniatures and all this terrain and blah, 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 blah. Well, my problem is, is trying to find a um, an opponent for this game. And I kind of think Games Workshop has this in mind to do this. It's they publish Warhammer 40,000 and Age of Sigmar as of now. And they have those right there. However, uh, about a year ago, they put out Necromunda. And then in the past month, they put out Kill Team. So there's all this, and they have Blood Bowl and two or three other games that they're putting out. So they have this huge, huge market share for this games. All these games. They have a market share for it. It's like, oh, wow, well, maybe you want to play this, or maybe you want to play that. And um, for me, it's really, really hard to find opponents because they keep putting out all these damn games. It's great for them as a company. They have this massive market share. They're making tens of thousands of dollars a day. And... For me, though, to find an opponent for this game is really, really hard. Because it's like, this guy... Okay, I want an opponent for Adeptus Titanicus. He's like, well, I already have a 40k army. I already have an Age of Sigmar army. I was like, oh shit, uh, Kill Team came out. I want to do that. And then, uh, I really dig Necromunda, and I want to do a gang for that. So they're all putting out the, their dollars toward this, and so it kind of leaves me wanting as an, you know, a guy that's like, well, I really want Adeptus Titanicus, I want to play this game, and it's really, really hard to find an opponent. And I think that's deliberate. So that's just kind of like my idea with this as an opponent. You know, to be some guy that wants to get their games off the ground. And, and, of course, I know this is regional. And there's a lot of guys in central Mississippi that are playing Games Workshop games. But they only have finite amount of dollars. So, yeah. So I kind of struggle to find opponents for it. 
it's, it's good for the company, bad for the gamer, is what I'm trying to say. So, uh, it, related to this, I've been hearing about Forge World, which we'll, I put in the news a little bit later down. So, that's all. I just, Forge World <laughs> has, has yeah, uh, uh, apparently really spiked on their prices. Well, well uh, their main thing is, is they... Um are coming to America, and they're coming to um, Memphis, which is, like, really close to me. And um, the main problem is, is they are, um, I guess their, their problem is, is Brexit, you know, that whole thing uh-huh. with whatever's going on in the UK, with the UK wants to separate from the European Union, blah, 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 blah. They're very scared about the pound crashing. So mm-hmm. um, you have this thing where they're like, well, we're putting all our stuff, instead of actually having to do it live, where um, you figure out whatever you want to order versus you know the August 27th, uh, what a uh, a pound versus a dollar is, you know, eagle tears and whatever. They're are they're actually setting an amount, and so because they're prepared for this whole Brexit crash, mm-hmm. which is gonna happen, it's gonna devalue the pound. So what they're doing is they're like, well, instead of doing one to one or whatever it is, pound to dollar, we're gonna go ahead and set well this tank or titan or figure or whatever you're ordering is x amount of eagle tears right now that's what it's set for is that regional pricing i believe is what they're calling that yeah it is so and i feel really sorry for folks like in um australia new zealand and stuff like that because they're really really getting screwed it's yeah. a whole lot of money. For, I know a lot uh, of people are upset about it. Yeah, it's a lot of money for these guys to um, to order stuff, and then you know, uh, America isn't that much better. And to my, to me, it seems like it's just going to drive us towards you know Chinese knockoffs. Mm-hmm. And, and Recap. There's a whole. Yeah, recast. Yeah, it's. I really think that that's kind of you know where we're headed. Is we're we're just gonna it kind of drives us into their arms. So you know, whatever. That's the thing, and you know we'll see how it goes. So uh, moving on to uh, what's on our radar. Uh, the first thing I had was orphans ashes, <laughs> which. I orphans saw... and ashes. Orphans and yeah, you're right. Orphans and <laughs> I ashes. I guess it depends not... on how well you do. <laughs> yeah, it really, really does. This is uh kind of uh from uh Gen Con is where I first noticed it. It was a part of the whole um critical role thing and this is you um you're trying to gather up a bunch of orphans as their orphanage is on fire and um you know try to score points as it burns to the ground so <laughs> there you go uh yeah it's 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 been the whole thing for me it's like when i'm at work and i you know if i come to work and i'm in a cast or something like that and like oh my gosh what happened to you it was like you didn't hear about the orphanage that was on fire yeah <laughs> that will always be my thing so 
So I, I realize this is an audio medium and not visual, but for those who haven't actually seen the pictures from this, you know, you've got uh, a 3D, you know, you've got a miniature and there are miniatures of orphans and you're like loading up the miniature with as many orphans as you can fit on there. And it just reminds me of like trying to bring in 10 bags the plastic bags from the grocery store <laughs> where you have five in each hand and that's what it looks like with this guy carrying all these orphans <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh and that's the thing is like you know you're trying to save these orphans as but to keep them from burning to death yeah. so <laughs> so yeah it's, it's it's the whole thing so yeah uh the next thing we had was kind of a controversial thing it's called This Guilty Land, and it's published by Holland Spiel, and I actually reached out to them to try to, before we did this podcast, to kind of try and figure out with, like, well, what is the pushback, you know, what is the controversy, what is going on with this game? This isn't out yet. And uh, essentially, it's this guilty land, which is the politics of slavery in America. And it's it's a a one v one game, and one person will be pro slavery, and one person will be anti slavery, which is kind of really controversial. Absolutely. I well, you know. You put this stuff under, you know, put it under a microscope and let people study it. That that if you're going to play a game that's going to have a little bit of social commentary, I'm okay with this sort of thing. Because it, it gets people talking about uh, things that they'd rather not talk about, maybe. So. Yeah, I guess my thought on this, and I've, I've been reading some stuff, and I actually did hear an interview, I think, with... It wasn't with the designer of this game, but I think it, there were, it was Tom and Mary from Hollandspiel were talking about this game. And um, it, it gets compared when you talk about controversial topics. And Roy, you actually brought this up in one of our early podcasts um, with the uh, the game where everyone plays voices inside the, the RPG player's head. Or, oh, yeah, that was right about, after uh, the Parkland shooting. Yeah, so you talked about, you know, playing mental illness in a game, and I've heard comparisons. You know, you talk about World War II. I play a lot of World War II games, and, you know, sometimes I'm playing the Nazis. I think mm -hmm. the difference is, though, I'm never – I have never played a game where I'm asked to defend atrocities. You're you know, not managing and, a death camp. Exactly. And, and, and yeah. I, I wouldn't want to play a game like that. But in this game, one of the players, their job is to defend slavery. I, mm -hmm. I can't imagine playing that game. And I, for that reason, you know, if someone else brought this game, I probably would play it once just to see what the mechanics are and how the game is. But I can't imagine a game playing a game regularly where one of the players is forced to defend slavery. Yeah, that that would be very so, difficult for me. And to me, that that makes it very different from any other war game. I mean, atrocities, slavery, all of these things exist throughout all of human history. So any era of warfare, you're going to deal with those things. But the games themselves usually don't deal with those things. But I, I think the benefit of this, though, is that the, or the reward 
is that after you play it, then you kind of have an avenue to maybe talk about, you know, the different things that it brings up. And I guess I'm a believer of, in the notion that if you ignore your history, then, you know, you, you're more likely to repeat it. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I just, ooh, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough call on this one. But, yeah, if, if, so, honestly, Adam, if you could get an interview, I would love to, to hear what they have to say on that. Uh, okay, what I actually got from them was Tom and Mary Russell. Um, I just messaged them via Twitter, and this is kind of paraphrasing, you know, what it is. I ask, uh, well, I was wondering if you could tell me more about the pushback or controversy that you're seeing with your publication of the game. And uh, they said that there has been some pushback, but not as much as one would think. Most of that has come from two sometimes overlapping groups. There are folks who aren't familiar with simulation gaming for whom games are just mechanisms and math with interchangeable themes. So those are the folks that who want to know why we don't just retheme it and make it more palatable. It is a very Eurogame frame of reference and it really mis understands what simulation gaming is and how those games are developed. Wow, this is really hard to... Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we then also have folks who feel that games are can only be entertainment and making a game of a subject matter essentially trivializes it and it's impossible for a game to be serious or engage seriously with a topic. Like I said... These two groups aren't identical, but there is some overlap between the two. And the case for knife pushback, blah blah blah. Uh, da, 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 da. It's just one of the worries we, one of the worries that people would get, one of the worries that people would get with the wrong idea about the game, and assume things about its approach or mechanism, but cast in a bad light. So far, we haven't had really seen that, but. Uh, we've really tried to be very careful to explain what the game is about and we try to join the game and what the model is representing and folks who are open to the idea of simulation gaming who are open to the idea of games engaging in serious and difficult topics in a meaningful way so far they are giving us the benefit of the doubt I think because of that communication and I think because of the reputation that we've built as a publisher over the last two years and that I've built as a designer over new fully published designs. So there is that. Yeah, I mean it it kind of is just really, really serious. And uh yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I wouldn't want them to think that I'm saying you shouldn't publish this. I guess I'm just I'm saying that I would want to play it. As an alternative to dealing with that subject, there's a game, and I haven't played this game, but I've, I've heard about it. It's called Freedom the Underground Railroad. It's, it, it's this same type of game where you're dealing with the abolitionist movement. You're dealing with getting slaves to escape the South, except that this is a co-op game, and all the players are playing on the side of the abolitionists and the freedom movement. So you're dealing with the same subject, but you're not forcing one guy to be the bad guy. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. There's no. So I'm reminded of of games with difficult subject. There's uh, this War of Mine, which is the about the occupation of Sarajevo. Right. 
So again, I guess that's co-op though, right? You don't have. There's nobody plays the. Plays Correct. The, the, uh, okay. Yeah, you play. I mean, you play just like the everyman, the the citizens that are victims of the war, just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Now there are places in that game where you you know you decide. Okay, this guy has something that I need. Do I want to stab him for it? So mm-hmm. there, there is that. I mean, where you're making choices, moral choices within the game. Mm-hmm. But I don't it's, think it deals with anything as as big as the atrocities that you know the, um, you know the racial cleansing and stuff that happened there. Mm-hmm. I like the notion of this of uh, the guilty land game as kind of a a, a moral exploration. Yeah. Yeah. That, I I I would honestly say at this point with as a you know before it's publishing as how, how controversial it is uh it might be a good investment <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you know in the sense that it it really may not be a thing until it actually comes out and then it okay. may be a wow, you know, we're gonna put this out, and wow, this is cool. We only put this many out, and then we are never gonna republish this game ever again. <laughs> you know, I, it it really seems controversial. So I have a friend, an amateur game designer. He was was talking to me about the notion of building a game around the triangle trade of of uh, molasses, rum, and slaves. Ooh, wow. And okay. It's like how do you do something with like that without, you know, looking like an asshole? Yeah. And I don't I, I don't think you can. I don't know. I mean, you really do. I mean, anything with um I remember just Puerto Rico or or whatever. You know, it's uh-huh. your your chits that you move around are brown. It's yeah. like people know. It's like you're, these yes. are colonists or, or slaves. Yeah, or and I think I think in the rule book for Puerto Rico, it describes them as like migrant workers or something like that. They're like, no, these are <laughs> involuntary these are migrants. Brown, brown pieces, and they're slaves. So let's at least describe what's actually happening here. Oh, I'm just saying that guilty land sounds interesting. Definitely. Yeah it, yeah. it really does. I think it's going to be a pretty big, maybe controversial game, but uh, yeah. It's going to mm-hmm. be something we talk about for several years, for sure. Yeah. I like Hollenspiel as a company. Um, they are pretty new on the scene, and they're very prolific, and they've got some great games out there, though. So it, it is good just to see them tackling something that's, you know, different. So moving on to uh, Intromancy a cyberpunk fantasy role-playing game. This is a Kickstarter, and as of we record this, it's got 11 days to go. It is a RP, a cyberpunk fantasy RPG. I just kind of thought it was interesting, especially in the fact of you drop 10 bucks on it, you can get the PDF and some other stuff of the actual game. And yeah, it's, it's blown past this $3,000 goal uh, to as of we record this six thousand seventy three dollars and uh, yeah just thought it kind of looked kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I I'm always a sucker for good art direction and it absolutely has it. Kind of a cell shading comic book kind of look. Yeah, it really does. Oh, so there's it. And uh, moving on to Holy Grail Games and uh, their game of Titan. This seems really, really cool just in the art direction that it has. It's this huge 
you know, circular type board, and uh, yeah. I just thought that was like really cool and was going to bring it to your attention. That's, <laughs> you know, that is not yeah. a coffee shop game. <laughs> no, it looks like it's going to take up a lot of real estate and uh, lots of fiddly bits of different circles and squares <laughs> and, you know, whatnot. And yeah. On the deck of a Pretty, ship. <laughs> yeah. It really was. So, you know, it's going to mention that. In a windstorm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop. No, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I'm, the next I'm thing, ripping. The next thing was, it, this was like a really big thing with uh, Gen Con of last year. Uh, Darker Hue Studios produced Harlem Unbound, which is a Cthulhu-esque um, RPG based, um, yeah, just, you know, kind of, it, it, it's supposed to be for uh, minorities, people of color, and, you know, it with Cthulhu and, you know, scary, you know, um, fish gods and whatnot. I had not heard of it until um, Gen Con of last year, so I was just going to bring it to your attention. So, you know, there you go. I know it's won a bunch of awards and, you know, whatnot from Indie Press Revolution and, you know, all this different stuff. And, yeah, you can get it relatively inexpensive. So, yeah, you know, it's Cthulhu via Harlem. Thought that was mm -hmm. neat. So, you know, there you go. And in all of that, uh, EvilHat.com had Scum and Villainy. This was another one that was really, really big at Gen Con this year. And this is a role-playing game which kind of had, uh, I want to say Farscape, but not Farscape, more Firefly leanings. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, here you go. I was just going to mention Scum and Villainy. So. Yeah, that looks interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, it's based on the Forge, you know, it's Forge of the Dark. It's based on the their, um, gosh... They have a fantasy version of this, and uh, which I really think is cool. And uh, I've seen a lot of folks, you know, talk about it, you know, on the internet. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fate, you know, via stuff. And uh, yeah, so yeah, it's it's it. And uh, there you go. Hmm. So, um, and then the last thing I have is from TuesdayNightGames.com is Mothership, which is sci-fi horror RPG. I love sci-fi horror. I do. Never played any yeah. sci-fi horror, actually. You know, I, I feel like they don't get a, a good, you know, kind of mainstream sort of thing. Yeah. I don't. And uh, if, if you look at this, we get a drive-through RPG. I'm gonna click on this, and hopefully it'll tell me how much it is. This is Mothership Dead Planet, and as it slowly, slowly loads, you know, I'm sure it's tens of dollars. And uh, yeah, okay, yeah, it's seven ninety-nine. You can't beat that. <laughs> that's that's relatively cheap. It's got five-star rating, and yeah, there you go. So it's awesome. So yeah, you should you, you should totally get that and you know, whatever. 
And uh, moving on with what's on the radar, Rich, you finally got Hatton and Flames. I got Hatton and Flames. I haven't played it yet, but it's sitting there waiting, ready to be played. So just gotta gotta bust it out and uh, see what's going on with it. So and uh, Armies of Oblivion will be coming before too long. I think maybe it's. I th- I thought it was supposed to be end of August, so I might be getting that one pretty soon as well. So. Good ASL stuff here and good ASL stuff on the way. I don't know what I'm going to do with Hat and Flames. I mean, obviously I'm going to play it, but I don't know. I've got a friend that um, we play on Vassal sometimes. So I may see if he wants to play it or I may see if one of the local guys wants to play it. This will be the first time I've ever played historical ASL, you know, as actually as a campaign. So I'll let you know how that goes. It's it, It'll be different from just playing individual scenarios. And then I also picked up Next War Poland. I've been looking at that for a while. And uh, the, the designer of that game is actually a listener of ours, Mitch. So hi, Mitch. Finally picked up your game. And I uh, haven't had a chance to play that yet, which is why it's on my on my radar. But I want to break that one up pretty soon. It's, it's the only game I have that does any sort of modern warfare. Everything else I have is mostly World War II, a lot of ancient stuff. There's... Some Napoleonics, a little bit of, um, you know, I've got something from like the, the 1973 Israel Israeli war. I guess that might be considered modern, but, um, you know, next war is modern and even a little bit postmodern. So I'm looking forward to getting that one out. And then Star Wars Legion. I know Roy's going to talk about this too, but I just I picked up Han Solo and some Rebel Commandos, and I'm anxious to get those on the table and see how those play. Man, if I could only get people that would play Legion, I it's, swear. It's um, it's beginning to be a little concerning, actually. It, it's it's not taking off like I hoped it would, and we've actually got an item later where you know FFG is going to start talking about tournaments and stuff like that. It's a good game, and it's starting to get enough stuff out there where it's got quite a bit of variety. Um, I saw like Miniature Market listed their like, you know, best sellers of the last year. And Star Wars Legion is on it, and you go there, and a lot of stuff is sold out. So somebody has this stuff, but I don't know who's playing it. I don't know where they're playing it because um, we've got basically three. There's Miniature Market here in St. Louis. Miniature Market has it on Tuesdays. There's a local fantasy shop that has it on Friday. Or no, Game Night has it on Fridays, and Fantasy Shop has it on Sundays. So really, I've just been playing on Tuesdays. I really need to start hitting those Sunday afternoons at Fantasy Shop because it's just a few blocks from my house. Um, but even so, there's just there's not that many people playing it. There's, I want to say, less than a dozen people on like the St. Louis uh, Legion Facebook that are regular posters and talking about playing and... We've talked about this before, but you've got to get that group of people, you know, yeah. because, you know, if I have something come up and I can't make it one night, I can't, you can't shut down the entire St. Louis Legion because one person has something going on. So I really hope that now that the summer's over, um, we'll start seeing more regular play and hopefully the, the stores and Fantasy Flight are going to be putting together tournaments and events to get people playing as well because – it really is a good game, and it's not taking off like I hoped it would. Uh, you know, I, I hope so, but, you know, it, this is where we kind of run into the whole thing, where Games Workshop has yeah. all the money and, you know, all the whatever, and yeah. So, eh. 
I hope it's, so. Um, so I've I've committed to help co-lead uh, organized play at my shop. Of course, I don't have the game yet. I just uh, I happen to pick up Han Solo, which I'll talk about here shortly. <laughs> but the um, the yeah. So as far as organized play goes or tournaments, yeah, I would. Uh, I think I'm going to try to be a, a a a leader in the area for that. So hopefully we can get a critical critical mass going in West Michigan. Yeah, maybe I'll have to yeah, drive so, up there to play. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so uh, yes, I. I, I have not got the starter yet, but I bought Han Solo. And so I put him all together, and he's wearing a duster. Um, and I thought, this guy really looks like uh, Malcolm Reynolds. <laughs> so I thought, Han Solo and Malcolm Reynolds are essentially the same guy, aren't they? Pretty much, yeah. Separated by yeah, universe? I think, yeah, I think so. So I think that my Han Solo is going to be a brown coat. Um, let's see. what. Else? Oh, so um, I know there's a lot of people that are interested in Doctor Who and have uh, watched all the episodes and everything, and I just have never been that person. So I kind of took it upon myself to go through from the Christopher Eccleston series or season and just try to kind of understand why people dig it so much. Are are you guys Dr. Whovians? Okay, okay. Hold on. (laughs) Hold on, Roy. All right. right. All right, Roy. You're not familiar with Dr. Who. I'm somewhat familiar with Dr. Who. You're somewhat familiar. Okay. How old are you? I am 48, and I did not watch it on PBS because I lived out in the country and I had to use rabbit ears to see anything, and then it was fuzzy anyway. Okay. So. Well, that's that. That's really interesting. Um, the main thing is is like how culturally how it's it's been this huge thing. The main thing is like, uh, well, it's it's been together for gosh since the. All right, it aired it's, in the UK. It's like fifty or sixty years old, right? Yeah, it's, okay. it's the original the U- one. Yeah, it's it, in the UK since the fifties or the sixties, and then mm-hmm. came over here in America about you know ten twenty years later. Mm-hmm. So I know I was watching. Uh, Doctor Who that was shot in the 70s. And was it on PBS? Yes. When I was a kid in the 80s. So it's about 10 years off from where it was shot. And, you know, and and it just became this whole cultural thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it was science fiction and fantasy and, you know, like, wow, you know, it's like, wow, this is really, really cool, and blah, blah, blah. So, culturally, it it, it became this whole thing. So, what? if you are, if you're now trying to get into it, I, I do understand, you know, because it's like 50 years yeah. w- worth of uh, program and, uh, you know, plot and, you know, all this different stuff. And some of those sh- some of those old shows are lost totally because they taped over the tapes. Yes, so. because um, yeah, over in England they were like, you know, we got to save money, so we're just going to copy over this. Who the hell would ever watch this again? And blah right. blah blah, and you know, there you go. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, it, it's a whole thing. <laughs> so people so, told me um, that I should start with Chris- Christopher Eccleston and then go forward from there. Because yeah, the rest uh, of the stuff is really not accessible. It's well, 
yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I would believe that. If you are a guy who has is not familiar with the rest and don't care and blah blah blah, uh, Christopher Eccleston is pretty modern. It was only one season, mm-hmm. and you'll you'll watch it, you'll like it, and then you'll move on to David Tennant. David Tennant, and, I hear, is the kind of the gold standard of the modern era. A lot oh, of people man, like him that, the most, right? Yeah, that is that is so true. It yeah. really, really is. It it it's beautiful how well he did, <laughs> and it it really is. It's it's like you know he did no wrong. There is not a single like whoops or anything you know in that. It's just like uh-huh. dad gum. He did so really, really well that you can watch all his stuff, and if that's all you ever watched. Of Doctor Who, you'd be like, well, you know what? I'm a Doctor Who fan. So uh, my daughter yeah. has watched it, and I've I've kind of you know walked through the room as it's been on, and I've seen an episode here or there, but I just I need to kind of take a deep dive. I mean, the reality is is science fiction, and uh, a lot of it is kind of high concept stuff. And uh, I guess, it, you know, in this podcast, what we want to talk about is gaming and uh, Warlord Games is bringing uh, Doctor Who to the tabletop. A fandom that is older than uh, Star Trek. Yeah. And older than Star Wars, pretty much combined. It, it, it's that old. And it comes from, you know, England. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, you know, whatever, it's Doctor Who. What are you talking about? Blah, 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 blah. But no, I mean, the reality is it, it's a pretty big deal to be uh, someone that's that dedicated and to been into the entire, you know, fandom or whatever. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's a thing. I'm honestly happy and glad to see you're getting into it. And yeah, you should start. <laughs> getting up to speed, you, I am. Yeah, you, I mean, it's not for everyone. Every doctor is not for everyone. Start at Eccleston and, you know, see where you want to go. Mm-hmm. I know from me, uh, a guy that uh, whose first doctor was uh, Tom Baker mm-hmm. that I started watching when I was like 10 or 12 years old in the 80s, and um, which was already 5 or 10 years old anyway when it came out. And, uh, you know, that was my first doctor, and to start watching the current stuff and love it and yeah it, mm-hmm. it, you know it was a whole thing so yeah i'm curious to see how you'll go okay i hope it's a i hope it's a good journey for you so uh moving on a little bit so i have a whole bunch of rpg books and uh i think i'm gonna get rid of them so i they're on craigslist right now and i've got to need a schedule guy to come pick them up so I'll All right, probably this is this is three this is 3.5 right D&D. well there's a whole plethora of stuff in there there's all kinds of things that people have given me and I just I don't know I I, I committed to my wife that I would clear out some stuff so that I could uh, get into Star Wars Legion so that's kind of what we're doing all right and so they can check this out at Roy toy cowboy at Twitter uh no actually I put it on Craigslist I'm just it's for local pickup so if you live in West okay. Michigan uh, hit me up, and I, I can set you up with some RPG books, maybe. All right, nice. So uh, nice, nice. my daughter started her freshman year of college at Michigan Technical University, and uh, she's going to be doing some game mastering up there. So I'm, I'm 
jazzed and apprehensive and excited mm-hmm. and jealous and everything all at once. So, yeah, I think college is might be the best time for role playing. I mean, college kids are they're alone yeah. and they've got you know free time and yeah, I don't know. It's that's there's lots of good memories there. So, yeah, man, the, the, the I, first I, friends I, I had. Get- yeah, I, I get that totally. It's like it's like, oh my god, you're going into your first, you know, group and you know, you're you're getting into the dorm and you're away from home and you know, oh, oh man, it sounds so fucking cool and yeah. yeah. I completely understand. I, I do. I really, really do. And, and uh yeah. She's going to school in the UP of Michigan, so you can you can throw a rock and hit Canada. Ooh, yeah! Wow, <laughs> it's a hell of a long way from my house. Ten-hour drive. Pre- yeah, I, I got- just sent my first one off to college too, but she's only about twenty minutes away, so oh, it's it's right. good. <laughs> they got poutine up there, which is like um, it's French fries covered in gravy and cheese curds, right? Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, and pasties. Pasties are uh, a, a UP thing. It's a it's a meat pie with uh, rutabaga and potato and carrot and stuff. So, oh, dang, that sounds good. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> I got my, my kid. Oh, yeah, my kid. My kid is starting like um, her senior year. So, yeah, I've got that, and the, you know, whatever. We'll go from there. So, uh, so moving on to news, uh, the first thing we had is uh, FFG's Discover Lands Unknown. This is a um, board game, and uh, yeah, it's about unique. It's a unique game of exploration and survival from Corey Koniz, kind of unpronounceable last name. Sorry, Corey. My middle name is Corey, and I feel bad because I can't pronounce your last name. Anyway, whatever makes it unique, it's just, it's uh yeah it's it's let's see it says media forms share one thing in comment every copy of the game is unique. The copy that you pick up off the shelf will have different components than the copy your friend gets at the store. While mechanics and subcomic components like meeples will be the same, the vast majority of the cards, tiles, and tokens in your box will be randomized, selected from a vast pool of possible components. So, you know, there you yeah, go. Uh, that makes me nervous. <laughs> uh, just it, it feels like, um, you know, what was that? I'm, I'm wondering, game? what's that? Oh, uh, No Man's Sky was one of those that was very uh, uh, ambitious and kind of fell flat, the video game. Well, okay. In in that sense, I I will say they finally decided to, like, okay, we got to fix this and suddenly come up with some new stuff. Oh, okay. For For it. And whatever the distance is between release and now, it's new. So... Yeah, this certainly okay. sounds interesting. And between this and Keyforge, um, two two games with unique components or whatever. But I just I hear that, and I, something in the back of my mind just says, "What if what if the next box is better than the one I'm getting?" And that makes me nervous. You know what I mean? Well, so how, how do you balance a, that? 
will this spark an aftermarket of people trading components of games? Yeah, and absolutely. I wonder. I mean, yeah. Hey, I've got Desert Tile 3B. You know, I'll sell it as a you know as a um, a single for 95 bucks. Yeah. So it's there will be the chase pieces in there too. You wonder. I mean, yeah. It remains to be seen how this is going to work out. It's and kind of like the same conversation we had earlier with uh, this guilty land. I think it's cool that they're trying something different, but it makes me nervous. <laughs> All right. The uh, next thing we have is Vampire the Masquerade as a legacy game. White Wolf okay. Entertainment has teamed up with Germany's Nice Game Publishing to produce a legacy-style board game set in the world of the iconic role-playing game Vampire the Masquerade. The new game, titled Vampire the Masquerade Heritage, is scheduled to release in October of 2019. So, I... Yeah, I mean, that's cool. It's a legacy game and blah, blah, blah. That's kind of a thing with kids nowadays. They love legacy games or don't because it's kind of like hit or miss. I mean, I see a lot of, like, you know, we, we've talked about Seafall. Seafall keeps appearing, you know, for 30 bucks yep. or less, you know, for sale. But, and it's a legacy game. And, yeah. This is just kind of a thing. Just kind of got licensed and, you know, whatever. It's there. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're the Vampire the Masquerade guy, so... Uh, yeah. I guess everyone in Mississippi will be buying it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you know, with that, I know it's released and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, my whole thing with it is I'm waiting on the PDF because I'm not interested in selling shelf space and, you know, whatever. When the, the PDF comes out, I'll buy it, and then we'll see, you know, whatever. Moving on, Dungeon Degenerates Mean Streets Expansion is up on Kickstarter. We've talked about this before. It has really cool artwork. Like I don't acidity. know any... I know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know anything about it, but it has an expansion. So, you know... There you go. It has a uh, a Kickstarter version for it, and I'm going to pop this up as we talk. Um, Sean Ayenberg. Okay, yeah, they had 80, 841 backers that pre- pledged $480,306 to bring this project to life. So, yeah, it's done. This is an expansion for it. And it is out. I know I looked at this. And I was kind of like, well, you know, you know, can you give me a copy of the original plus this? Is that like a thing? And they're like, you know, you know what, motherfucker? No, uh, we're not going to do that. And, you know, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to buy this. So, yeah. Anyway, Dungeon Degenerates continues to attract my attention just based on artwork alone. So, and, you know, I, I will say with anything, if you're going to create your own podcast or your own game or, you know, whatever, if you don't have a good graphic designer, you're not going to get very far. And, uh, yeah, because this whole game, this game could be complete garbage. It's probably not, but I'm just saying it could be. 
and uh, but it has my attention based on this unique art style. Damn, I want to buy it. I want to. <laughs> I want to try it, just based on its art style. Uh, whatever. Moving on. Uh, Target is getting exclusive games. Apparently, it's getting ninety-five different exclusive games. And I think the biggest one out of this for me is MacGyver because I'm a huge um, Stargate SG-1. I will pretend this is um, uh, Jack Hammond's, you know, game, you know, Jack Hammond, the board game and yeah, whatever. So you open up the MacGyver box and there's a bottle cap and a battery and a spool (laughs) of wire and they say, make your own game. (laughs) Within a timer, yeah. or the whole thing will explode. I, I bet yeah, it's pretty I close that. to that. <laughs> ah, man, it'd be awesome. They also got a a Golden Girls game, and the weird thing is, and of course, I have nowhere else to you know explain this. I'm sure people will be like you know listen to me and go, you know, hey, I agree with that. I know my brother and I were we spent every weekend with my grandmother and uh saturday nights was like whatever nbc or whatever had on and the golden girls were really big there is not a single golden girls episode that you and i couldn't argue about in the sense of like well you know in episode 407 you know where rose went to buy a car i'm like okay she went to buy a chrysler sebring like how do you fucking know that what's wrong with you weirdo and it's like, well, you know, that's why. You're the so you're they, the resident they, Golden Girls archivist. Yes, I am. It's, it's <laughs> weird. Right. It's, it's, it's it's I have the whole. It's thing. funny that you say okay. that because last Sunday when I was playing Gloomhaven over at my friend's house, uh, his wife came home toward the end of the game, and she had just come home from playing Golden Girls trivia. Oh man, <laughs> that would have been awesome. So Target is really getting into the whole um, board game thing. I, I think the greatest thing I ever did with Target was when... Um, what is that uh, oatmeal game? The Oatmeal. Oh, yeah, the, uh, the guy that does that comic. Uh... Yep. He did a- Exploding Kittens. When he came out with that, after the Kickstarter finished, and it actually made it locally... My local Target uh, priced cases of Exploding Kittens at um, individual prices. So I bought two cases of Exploding Kittens for what two copies of Exploding Kittens would have cost me. And then turned around and flipped it and made a ton of money. (laughs) So, well, a ton, quote-unquote, you know, I, I made some money if you converted all the pennies it was approaching a ton, maybe okay (laughs) right 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 so anyway so uh moving on uh black powder they're they're coming out with a warlord games (laughs) is coming out with black powder 2 and that it the street a for it is october 6th and i've been meaning to reach out to them because i kind of want to give away a copy of of each one uh, I want to give away a copy in Europe and in the States. And, uh, yeah, I'm kind of going to see how that goes. It's like, look, look, don't give me a copy to mail out to somebody, whatever. You know, that's yeah, I, I don't want that responsibility. Just um, 
you know, let me say, okay, give it to Jim Bob Briggs, you know, who lives in 123 Fake Street of, you know, uh, Wales. Yeah, send it to him. So, yeah, I think that's the whole thing. This is kind of a thing that I would love if it came locally, and uh, yeah, hopefully yeah. that will happen. I would love to play more games like this, but, you know, same situation we talked about with Star Wars earlier, and if no one else is playing, then you're left with a lot of tiny little guys that you painted and sit around collecting dust. Oh, oh gosh. I, I, I know, like, my my current local thing, I, I'm cleaning out my garage and my storage spaces. You know, my wife's on me and blah, blah, blah. And I think my 15mm and my 6mm sci-fi stuff is going to have to find a new home. So, we'll see. Moving on, uh, Oak and Iron from Firelock Games is a, uh, let's see, I don't know what the scale is. Um, it's a naval game. Uh, to me, it's the same one as Trafalgar with Games Workshop. And, uh, yeah, I have no idea what scale this is. This is somewhere between 2 and 15 millimeter, and, yeah. Oak and Iron is what they're calling it, and uh, they're doing a lot of beta testing lately, and uh, yeah. So hopefully... Yeah. At this point, it looks yeah. like it's just a splash page, and you can give them your email to get updates, but... Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that that's all it is. And uh, I actually have a whole bunch of stuff in that scale, and uh, we'll see. See how awesome it is. Well, whatever. Moving on to Cool Mini or Not, my favorite people that I talk about, like, you know, should have money to do stuff, and then we argue, and they do a Kickstarter, and, you know, I feel like they're going to seek me out and beat me with a sack of nickels. Uh, sorry, a sock of nickels. Anyway, um, A Song of Ice and Fire, their miniatures are actually coming to your local GameStop really soon you'll be able to buy the stuff if you're into it. uh to me i i'm not you know and um that's just me i'm not into i i don't watch um a song of ice and fire or whatever it's called whatever the hbo series is game of thrones game yeah. of thrones I, I i don't watch it i i just read the first book and you know whatever Anyway, the first starter set will release uh, this on the 31st, which will be this Friday. And, uh, yeah, I'm very curious to see how this does, because it's like a super, super popular IP. Yeah, the thing is, though, it's I, I'm a big fan of the books. I've read them all more than once, and don't expect the series to ever be finished. Um but the series is not about battles at all. The series is about politics and characters. So there's actually a game, I think, um, there's a Game of Thrones game that is much more of a, a political game. I haven't played it, but I've heard good things about it. But this just is feels that the LPG? No, it's no. I've there's that as well, but this one is uh, okay. is an actual board game. Um, okay. But this just kind of feels like generic uh miniatures game which you know maybe it's fine but they're just kind of slapping the ip on it to sell it so mm -hmm. i mean honestly okay. there's there's very little in the books that has anything to do with battles so 
Yeah, the, there's probably like a huge battle, what, every third book or something? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, but even when they do the battles, I mean, it's not it's not about moving forces around. You know, there's, you know, King's Landing was besieged, and really the whole purpose of the battle from a storytelling story point of view was to, you know, to push Tyrion's character forward and, and to do some things with the Hound. And the, the battles are dealt with to push character narratives forward, not mm-hmm. so much to deal with, okay, well, this guy's a great strategic commander and he moved his forces in from the West. You know, some of the big battles between Tywin and Rob are not described at all. They just talk about, oh, they happened, and you know this happened, and he won this battle. But it's about the characters and the politics, not the battles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That said, that's it a, might be a, a fun game. It could be, for all I know. Yeah. I know for me, it's, it, it's always like, well, this is a huge IP. And, well, what does that mean? It, does it mean that, like, well, this will be uh, a thing where it's possible that they could, uh, you know, uh, be bigger than Age of Sigmar or, or, you know, something close or, you know, whatever. So, yeah. I don't know. Well, it I, is obviously yeah. very popular, and the last season of the show is going to come out sometime next year. So I guess they they have to seize that popularity while they can. Okay, and uh, that is, if, if it's the last uh, season of the show, are, are they like where they should end book-wise? Uh, so they they have already passed the books. Um, there are probably at least two more books to be written. Most fans of the books don't expect that they will ever be written. So, Oh, yeah. wow. George R.R. R. Martin okay. likes his cheeseburgers. Yeah. He's uh yeah, I mean he's elderly and he's not healthy and honestly he just doesn't seem like it's that big a priority to him for whatever reason. Um mm-hmm. you know, I haven't read the Wheel of Time series, but when uh, when was it Robert Jordan that wrote that? You know, yes, he died before the series is out and then some other authors finished it for him. But George R. R. Martin has already said, No, nope, if I die, no one is allowed to finish these books. So hmm. oh. interesting. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but yeah, that so, other game, uh, it is called A Game of Thrones, the board game. And from what I've heard, that is much more true to the, the actual books because it's a political game about backstabbing, which is what the books are about. So um, the next thing we had was Legion Organized Play. Yeah. Is this like a thing where you are? Uh, it, it is not yet, but obviously FFG is at least making the effort. So, you know, Roy, you were talking about uh, you taking the lead on this and hopefully someone in St. Louis will, I don't know if I have time to do it, but it, yeah, you know, um, I said, I don't want to be the main guy, <laughs> but I can uh, assist as needed. Yeah. So yeah, FFG is definitely putting out some stuff for organized play, you know, prizes and stuff like that. And even stuff like if you, you know, look at that, their announcement, it's got prizes for, for best painted commander and best painted special forces, stuff like that. So honestly, anything that gets people out playing, I am all for because I like the game. I know that's like a, a whole thing with me locally. It's, it's, you know, and that's the problem with games, you know, all the games workshop releases 
is like, you know, uh, there are putting out stuff for Shadespire and for Age of Sigmar and for 40k. You know, it's it's really hard to find other opponents for your regular stuff. And yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. So, uh, well, they are supporting it, but they want all of your money. All of it. <laughs> I, I, I need it all. So, whatever. All right. So, uh, Roy, you're going to close this out? All right. Well, uh, I will start. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter at RoyToyCowboy. Uh, I post occasionally, uh, not too much. But if you follow me, I'll follow you back. And uh, I'm going to be at Grand Con in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, September 14th or 16th. Uh, it's a game convention, and there's quite a list of guests. There's, I've listed about 10 here. Uh, that includes uh, the designer of Gloomhaven. The designer of uh, Pandemic Legacy. Uh, there's some uh, podcasters that are, that are there, and um, there's probably about 20 different guests that, are, that will be kind of floating around. So that's uh, September 14 through 16 in downtown Grand Rapids. So come on out, Rich. Yeah. So I'm not going to any cons. Nothing quite as fun as that. But uh, you know, I will. Keep playing games, and if you're in St. Louis, the last Saturday of the month, please stop by and come play a war game with me. You can find me at stlwargamers.com, and on Twitter, I'm Trapeer Jr. Because I am a junior. So, uh, yeah, I know as we um, record this, I'm looking at actually attending a convention in Arkansas is near me and uh yeah my friendly local gaming store is talking about uh actually showing up and doing a whole thing and yeah so we'll see we'll see how that goes um yeah i'm sure we'll do a whole other thing before we do that but yeah so there you go and uh yeah i appreciate you guys patience as we um do a show and put it together and yeah we have you know, some of us, like, you know, me, Adam, have issues with mental illness, and, you know, we get all this stuff together, and blah, 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 and yeah. So, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, I guess this brings us to the end, and, you know, whatnot, and yeah, it's awesome. So, we hope you continue to listen. There's, you know, you're, it's anywhere between 100 and 150 guys per episode. Yeah, it's really awesome, so... You guys like what we're doing, and uh, I hope you continue to uh, listen to us. So, there you go. Tell your friends. Yes. Do that. And roll Enjoy. high or roll low, depending on which game you're playing. Yes, <laughs> very true. But just roll dice. Yes. And move a little men around. Right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.